Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation powerhouse. I'm Jason Scharf. I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees of the next great startup, we are all Austin Next. Today, we're going to expand our focus a bit and look at the entire state of Texas, not just Austin. We wanted to dig into what has brought so much attention and so many new people to the Lone Star State, how it's impacting businesses, culture, and innovation. The concept of a super region isn't new. Silicon Valley in California, Research Triangle in North Carolina, the Beltway in Washington, D.C. But the idea of a Texas Triangle is something new and unique, and that's what we wanted to explore today. Joining us for this discussion is Ed Curtis, the CEO and founder of Why Texas, and the author of a book by the same name. Born and raised in New York, Ed relocated to Dallas, Texas at the age of 25 and has happily lived in the Lone Star State ever since. 20 years later, he founded the group Why Texas, which is a network of business leaders providing help and support to companies looking to relocate or to expand in Texas. Ed Curtis, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Just a, a bit of background about yourself. How did you end up in Texas? Oh, man. It was really almost a mistake. I was working in uh, New York City for an ad agency, and one of my markets happened to have been Dallas-Fort Worth. We'd bought and sold the airtime, TV and radio airtime. And uh, I met somebody from uh, from Dallas. So I sold to different markets. I sold to Portland and LA and and Dallas and a very, very cutthroat business. And so when you get on the phone, it's like, what do you need? What's the price? What's the cost? Hang up. Whenever I would talk to the people from Dallas, they would always, always ask me how my day was, talk about, you know, whatever's happening in Dallas at the time, others are the Cowboys. And that was kind of my foray into having interest in what was happening in Dallas. And I had taken a road trip down here in the early 90s, ended up staying, and now I'm still here 28 years later. There you go. So you've seen a lot. What are the one or two big changes you've seen in Texas? And hopefully it's not the influx of a bunch of refugees from California. No. You know what? I think it's the embracing of technology, whether it's with the space race. Of course, NASA has been here forever whether it's the oil and gas industry, of course, with fracking, that's, you know, has a technological spin to it, but uh, all the technology that's, you know, furthering our energy footprint uh, to our healthcare system, to our transportation system, you could be the first high-speed rail that's for the most part, not federally funded. So I think, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit, which everybody says, but I think it's that, uh, the, the bridge between that and this technological technology revolution that I believe Texas is leading the nation 
And that's what I see. That's what I see. Great. So tell me, what is Why Texas? How did you start it? And what is it geared towards? Well, I, I started it as an idea. And uh, the idea was I had moved here myself as a young man. I was not a businessman. I had moved to Texas. I did not know anyone. I quickly built up a network, as I'm sure many people can relate to. It's very easy to meet people and people are very willing to help you. And um, I was in the midst of my banking career. I was fortunate enough to spend some time uh, with the Governor's Office of Economic Development through an organization called Texas One that was basically a platform for anyone in business to go on delegation trips with the Office of Economic Development, the Secretary of State, the governor, just to sell Texas to other states and even other countries on the benefits of doing business here. And I did that for about a year and I came up with the idea to essentially create kind of like a soft landing uh, onboarding program for companies that were doing the same thing I did, except moving hundreds of people, moving their brand, moving their headquarters to you know help them be successful throughout the state. And we've, we've been around for nine years. So that it's evolved into a lot more than just a networking uh, platform, but that's essentially how it got started. And why Texas is different because you focus on companies that have already made that decision to move to Texas, right? As you called it, the soft landing. I'm glad you said that because yes, uh, most people think that we're in the recruiting business and I'm sure most entrepreneurs can relate to this. When you're starting a somewhat new concept, most people either try to compare you to something that they're familiar with, like a chamber or an economic development organization. And then it's, it's hard for them to, I was fortunate enough to spend some time uh, with the governor's office of economic development through an organization called Texas One that was basically a platform for anyone in business to go on delegation trips with the Office of Economic Development, the Secretary of State, the governor, just to sell Texas to other states and even other countries on the benefits of doing business here. And I did that for about a year and I came up with the idea to essentially create kind of like a soft landing uh, onboarding program for companies that were doing the same thing I did, except moving hundreds of people moving their brand, moving their headquarters to, you know, help them be successful throughout the state. And we've, we've been around for nine years so that it's evolved into a lot more than just a networking uh, platform, but that's essentially how it got started. And why Texas is different because you focus on companies that have already made that decision to move to Texas, right? As you called it, the soft landing. I'm glad you said that because yes, uh, most people think that we're in the recruiting business and I'm sure most entrepreneurs can relate to this. When you're starting a somewhat new concept, most people either try to compare you to something that they're familiar with, like a chamber or an economic development organization. And then it's it's hard for them to understand what you're trying to do if it's something that, for the most part, has never been done before. So uh, I learned early on, I do not want to get involved in the recruiting because our state does a fantastic job of it. Our chambers do a fantastic job on it. Obviously, you've, you've, you're interviewing the uh, Austin Regional Chamber. Some of the best in the world at recruiting companies. We felt it was best for us to focus on these companies after they got here. I mean, I, look, I think of my personal decision to move. There were, of course, a number of personal decisions as to why I came here. But really, uh, after I came here and how I got to where I got, I think was 
it was really where a big impact was not being met, not because those organizations aren't good at it. It's just, that's not their mission. Um, from at least from a statewide basis is the why I had focused on after they get here. So they've been recruited. They've made the decision. You've now seen this over a decade. What is the most pressing needs to help make them this soft landing, right? Versus just the uh, asteroid coming in. Well, you know, we hear this, this, this term called supply chain and uh, it's a, it's a real deal. And it's almost like a vendor and supply chain. And that is, you know, what it, think about if you were to move here yourselves, right? Of course, you know, you need to buy a house and you need to, you know, get a new doctor and uh, get a new school and all those things. But think about what a company would need outside of some of the personal issues that the employees deal with, like housing and, you know, schools. We don't necessarily get too involved with that. But all of the other things that a company needs when they move here, you know, building relationships with legislators, understanding the regulations and the tax laws that are different uh, than what they were dealing with in their other states. Of course, employee relations, getting to know the media, understanding how to get front row seats to a Mavericks game. You know, all of these things that these companies would do on a snap because wherever they came from, they were, you know, pretty well connected and big wig type companies. Um, those are the things that we realized are a number of things that these companies need. So it's that, I call it the supply chain because it really is a chain of vendors and suppliers and relationships that are a lot extended a lot further outside of just their region, but span across the state. I'm sure with the way Lucas playing, getting those uh, front row seats are hard to get. Yes. And you know what? The front row seats to the, believe it or not, to the Spurs are probably harder. Interesting. <laughs> and a lot of people that are, a lot of people that are moving to Austin are going to Spurs games because it's the closest NBA team to what they had. There are a lot of them are Lakers fans and Warriors fans, and they probably had front row seats or close to it, maybe next to uh, Nicholson. And they're calling up the Spurs and they're like, yeah, those have been sold for like the last 10 years. Sorry. It's an interesting how those things kind of change. So over the past 10 years, has it been changing current, the needs, right? Is it, I mean, a lot of the things that you mentioned, media, legislation, entertainment, seems like things that would set in motion. Now you may have talked to different people 10 years ago than today. You may have different entertainment environments, but given the increase of people kind of moving here, and I think it's just been accelerating, what are the different things that are coming up that have been changing recently? Yeah, talent is, is, is for sure number one. But what I like to talk about that most people don't talk about is this supply chain. And, and what I mean by that is we live in an on-demand world. And I mean, you know, we want our packages tomorrow. Actually, we want them today. You know, we want everything immediately. And the successful companies out there are finding a way to deliver what you need immediately. And because of our centralized location in the United States, because we have a very aggressive and active port of entry that can bring in, you know, import and export materials, we have world-class airports, you know, all those things that the economic development corporations use in their toolbox to recruit these companies is, is really relating to everyday people. And uh, that's why you see Amazon making a huge investment in Texas. Um, of course, Meta and, you know, Apple and Google, all of these companies that are a part of our everyday life are coming here because a, we've got almost 30 million people that live in our state, which is, you know, 
they say the Dallas Fort Worth region has 7.5 million people. That's more than like 30 states. It's insane the proximity you have to your customer and your people. So that's what I would say is that um, this supply chain of information and content and transportation is really putting us in a, in a great spot. So you combine the innovation that's happening and our, you know, <laughs> luck that we happen to be in the central part of the United States is uh, a big factor. So on the supply chain side, one of the things that we've noticed in Austin, and, and I'm going to make an assumption that the rest of the triangle goes this as well, is the significant manufacturing base that we have and that it continues to grow, right? Like here in Austin, we have, you know, Samsung announcing the $17 billion semiconductor plant. And literally every week we're hearing about other semiconductors coming here. How much does that change in the supply chain? To your point that people are coming here because we're not going to physically build the stuff here and that reshoring, how much is Texas really able to take advantage of that? Well, it's all about land. I mean, look, Tesla took down 2,100 acres of land that is within earshot of a major university. Like where in the world can you get that? I mean, and it's been sitting there forever. And, you know, Elon Musk, I'm sure took a trip down here and was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and you see that happening across the state. And I, I, I use the Tesla story a lot because I really do feel like that brought other billionaires, if you want to call them, and other uh, large employers to really take a closer look to say, wow, you're right. There's, there's still a lot more land that is in relative proximity to highly educated people and master planned communities that, you know, don't have to be created out of, out of the, the clear blue sky. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's just a combination of land and the fact that we do have an educated population. We have a great highway system, a great rail system that's been here for decades. And now these smart people are capitalizing on that. It's interesting. I literally read an article like one or two days ago, uh, obviously that, you know, Elon's been in the, the news a lot recently, but mentioned the fact that he looked at this area in 2014, 2015, and he was looking at Taylor. So that probably the same plot of land that Samsung ended up getting, um, you know, ended up taking. And also I think it's a lot more usable land. I mean, I think one of the things that, that was fascinating to me is, you know, coming from California, if you go an hour and a half, you know, east from the water, you start getting into, you know, especially down south, like, yeah, there's lots of open land that's desert. No one wants to be here. What was interesting to me was we, you know, my family and I, we drove up to the, the Dallas, you know, the Texas State Fair. So we drove from Austin to Dallas. And I want to say, I remember having this moment either like right after Waco or before and kind of looking out I'm like, yeah, there's nothing here, but that's because there's nothing here. It looks perfectly nice and it's green. It's, you know, and you can just, you plop a city down here. So you have that much more of that kind of usable land and, you know, the growth that can come along with it, right? You see that, especially in building in Austin is we're seeing more and more building in the kind of surrounding regions because there's that physical space to do it. Yeah. I think when you, when you talk to people from the coasts, whether it's Chicago, you know, New York, LA, commutes and distance is not a big deal. Like I remember I grew up in upstate New York and if we wanted to go to the beach, we had to drive three hours to get to the beach. It was just, that's, that's what you had to do. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, most people, it was an hour and a half to commute to work. Was, whether you're taking the train or you're driving, you know, with the bridges and the tunnels and 
tolls. It was, it wasn't a big deal. So we think about, look, we think about Waco, my gosh, it's only what an hour from Austin. I mean, most Austinites would think Waco is like, forget it. There's, and there's no way I'd go there because it's too far. Well, now you've got people that are very, very used to driving on an hour or two hours or three hours, which is a trip to Dallas from Austin or Houston to Austin. And they're coming here saying, why are, why shouldn't I go to a Rockets game on a Friday night? It's only a two and a half hour drive, you know, where we would never dream of doing that. Right. Um, so I think we're shrinking in, you know, in that regard, because people that are moving here see that as not that far away. So we talked about a lot of the needs when the, when the companies come here, even the, the supply chain and all of its forms. How are they integrating, though, with the innovation ecosystem? So they've got the, 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 the supply chain that they need. How does it go the other direction? Well, that's uh, honestly, I think that's the, the most attractive thing for these companies is the willingness for our legislators and our universities, uh, their willingness to work closely and listen to what the private sector has to offer. All politics aside, of course, we say that we're business friendly and people identify what business friendly is in different ways. But business friendliness is honestly is your legislator saying, okay, well, look, you need this to, you know, to hire more people or to innovate or to create more products. What can we do to stay out of the way? And um, the willingness, whether they pass legislation or or agree or disagree, isn't as important as they're willing to listen. And when I talk to these companies that move here, they just, they, they can't believe that, hey, when I call a legislator, he or she will actually sit down with me and ask me what I'm looking for. The same thing with the colleges and the universities. I mean, look, UT is one of the best at collaborating with the private sector and, and entrepreneurs. And yeah, I mean, you see that in Rice and Baylor and SMU. It's it's prevalent in this state. And again, these are just things that we as Texans, I'll say we as Texans, because I lived here almost 30 years, take, take for granted. But when other companies move here and they see that symbiotic relationship, it's a game changer for them. And I, I would say NASA is probably the best example of that. And if you talk to NASA now, they say that their main goal is to let the private sector know that they are available uh, for collaboration because they're, you know, the quintessential quasi-government entity. Exactly. Now we've talked a little bit about land. You mentioned briefly the, uh, the potential for the railway that's, I guess, planned right now for between Dallas and Houston and coming from California, we have a sordid history, a poor history with high-speed rail, but this is going to be more privately funded. So I think it's going to work. Let's talk about infrastructure in general. Are we going to be able to keep up with the needs of how fast Texas is growing? Only if we embrace innovation. And what I mean by innovation is uh, drone delivery of uh, medical products from Baylor to Midland. You know, embracing smart cities and autonomous vehicles and Elon Musk's boring a hole through the entire state of Texas to get somewhere without having to sit in traffic. Like, I truly feel that that is, I'm not going to say it's the only way, but th that's why you see Blue Origin and Apple and all these companies moving here because they see that opportunity. They see the open-mindedness and the entrepreneurial spirit of, of Texans um, opened to that idea. 
and um, and in, and these companies are investing in it. So I, that's I just feel it's going to be, you know, the Jetsons in Texas. I don't know how that's going to look, but um, if there's any place it's going to happen, I I truly believe it's going to be here because of the regulatory environment and and now the intellectual capital that's moving here in droves. It's interesting because I've told the story a lot. Texas today feels to me like California when I was growing up in the 60s. The openness, the aggressiveness. We built freeways in Southern California all throughout the 60s and into the 70s. And the same kind of attitude is what I'm seeing here in Texas. And it's great to, to see that and be part of that. And you've been here a lot longer than I have, but I'm a Texan now. That's it. So we've, we've, I've adopted that. So we've talked about a couple of big ideas. What are the other big ideas that we're going to have to, to come up with to enable Texas to meet the needs of Texans going forward? Well, I, I'm, you know, this is what I'm beating the street these days um, around Texas is to really try to build that bridge between our regional markets. And I, I feel like Again, there's so much happening in Dallas-Fort Worth that people in Austin are, have no idea are, are happening. And if you think about, you know, the unicorns and the startups in, in Austin and the Fortune 500 companies in Dallas and in Fort Worth and putting those, you know, those companies together. And it's not that it's not happening. It's happening every single day, but it's not ingrained in our ecosystem. I mean, if you look at the Austin ecosystem within the, in the startup community, whether it's the Capital Factory or Mass Challenge or, or UT, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's so powerful. Um, and I'd say Capital Factory is probably doing the best with kind of sprinkling their, their message throughout the, throughout the state. But I think a more, um, a more, a big picture approach to the regions really speaking together and collaborating together, I think is, um, is really going to be, our road to success going forward. So we've seen, I think, this come up in quite a few episodes, these kind of new super region concepts, the uh, the super Southeast, the heartland, um, you know, the flyover country used in a positive manner, now kind of the Texas Triangle. One of the, the theories that I have is it's, there's a stronger possibility, I think, for these super regions when it's within a single state border, just from, you brought up the legislature quite a bit. I think once you kind of cross state borders, the becomes a little more difficult for that kind of collaboration. So when we think about the Texas Triangle, though, let's kind of go to its composite parts. What do you see as the kind of unique superpowers, industries for each of the nodes? Oh, my gosh. I mean, see, I mean, it's uh, there's so much overlap that you you it, it'd blow your mind. I mean, what's I mean, let's start with West Texas, which we all know is, you know, think of as, you know, oil and gas and tumbleweed and you know, and that's, and that's it. But, um, a lot of food distribution companies, companies that of course need, you know, space, uh, cheaper land, uh, these, these companies that are in low margin businesses, they just can't afford to, uh, you know, have a facility, uh, like that in an Austin that is just, it's just, it's too, too expensive. So you look at, and there's a lot of innovation happening, uh, in that Midland Odessa, uh, you know, Lubbock, uh, though that region is, they're collaborating a lot together. Uh, they're doing a lot of biotech research, uh, really, really interesting things happening, happening out there. So again, processing food and you know, making the things that 
will, will feed all of us. And that's all happening out in West Texas. Of course, the oil and gas and the fracking is huge, but you know, we already know that. And of course the wind energy 